Hello and welcome to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we will be interviewing Corey Little from um, uh, Corey Little from Corey Little Coaching, and we're going to talk about the psychology of, of fitness. And it's he's got some really really good stories, um, personal stories that started out when he was. Um, in junior high and, and how it really changed his life. So it's really, really going to be pertinent for our radio show. You guys don't, you guys don't want to miss out. Um, first, I do want to talk about a little accident that happened over the weekend. My oldest, youngest son, excuse me, my youngest son, Jordan, who is 18 years old, turned 18 years old, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. Um, he was doing boy stuff and he was jumping on his feet um, jumping a canal, and he actually he did clear the jump, but he hit his tibia leg bone, his upper leg bone, right below his kneecap, and cracked his tibia. So he broke his leg. It was a compound fracture. Um, I was out of town at the time, so I didn't get to see all the drama. Although, as you can imagine, um, boys that age had it all videoed, and although they're keeping that secret for now. But I'm sure it's going to come out eventually. Um, anyway, the great news is is that Jordan is doing wonderful. Um, my older son, Sean Michael, was there with him and his, his good friend, Bryce. And they witnessed the whole thing. And they were able to get a hold of the ambulance. And they were kind of out in the middle of the country, as you can imagine. And the ambulance got there, responded. Um, Bryce was able to keep Jordan calm. Didn't lose a ton of blood. And um, that it's, it was just it all worked out really well. That was uh, Thursday at about 6 p.m. He ended up going to our local hospital here in Moses Lake, and um, they treated him very well. He was in the ER, and Janet um, met him there. They actually did surgery on it, and he has a plate and some screws in his leg. Um and, of course, one of the things that Janet and I are trained to do because we don't have typical health insurance, you guys that um, have listened to our show long enough, you realize that we don't have health insurance. Um, we've got something that we believe is better. It's a health-sharing ministry. Um, ours is Christian Healthcare Ministries, and we've had that for almost four years now. We've never had any kind of claim, which because it's not insurance, it's really not a claim, but we've never had to use it at all yet. And it looks like with this incident, we will use it. We have a $5,000 deductible, which is wonderful because it keeps our premiums low. Our premium, which is not really premiums because it's not health insurance, but we pay $135 a month for our entire family for this program. And you guys... On our show, you can witness and um, follow how we're going to negotiate our bills with the hospital. We first of all tell them that we're a cash-paying customer, so we want cash discounts. And then when we start getting the bills, I will be calling and I will be negotiating prices with them so we get the best possible discount we can. And the best news is is that my son is doing wonderful. The Everything from the ambulance ride to the surgery and to the post-care was awesome. He got out the next morning um, and is and is doing doing great now. So I'm sure being as as good a health as he is in, you know, in another three months, he'll hardly know what happened. So please stay tuned so you can follow that story. I'm I'm really excited actually to to talk about that story. Um, 
So stay tuned. Um, and we have Corey sitting on the line. Corey is from Athens, Georgia. He is a health and fitness coach. And I'm going to let him share most of his story. Um, one thing I will say is that he's got an incredible story about a, a pediatrician that that changed his life when he was in junior high school in basketball. And I am just going to let it let Corey take over from there. Corey, tell us a little bit about your stories. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. Thanks to both of you. Um, I'm really excited to be here and, and, and share a little bit of my story and, and maybe hopefully uh, shed some light on, on fitness and nutrition and weight loss uh, for people and, and, and kind of help them out a little bit. So uh, I, I, the story that, that Sean's referring to um, is, is kind of the root of how I got into uh, what I do. It's how I became a, a nutritionist and a, and a weight loss coach and a trainer and so forth. So it all started back when I was, just like you said earlier, when I was in junior high school, when I was in middle school, I made the middle school basketball team, and that was like one of the coolest things that could ever happen when you're in middle school. You know, it was fantastic, and I was so excited about it. And in one of the early games of the season, we were getting close to halftime, and I remember thinking, I feel really strange. Like, I don't feel that good. But you're a kid, you know, like, like you said with your son. He broke his leg. He'll be fine and, you know, in, a, in a few weeks. It's, it's just the way kids are. So we get to halftime, and I remember thinking, I don't just feel weird. I feel really bad. And the halftime buzzer rings, and I walk over to my coach, barely. I stumble over to my coach on the sideline. I put both hands up on his shoulders, and I throw up all over his shoes. And, like, as cool as being on the middle school basketball team is, that's equally uncool. Like, that, that's, that's not what you want to do at a middle school basketball game with all of the fellow students watching and stuff. So... We rationalized, my, my coach and myself and my mother, we thought, you know what, maybe I just had something bad to eat, maybe I just got a little too hot, or I, you know, I had food too close to the game, and you know, it'll be fine. Well, a couple games later, the same progression started happening, and fortunately that time my coach spotted it, and he took me out of the game, he was like, no, this is, you're not going to throw up on my shoes again, I guess he was worried about his shoes, so he takes me out of the game. And then my mother, being of course a fantastic mother, she says, you know, we's We've got to figure out what's going on here. So she takes me to my pediatrician, the only doctor I'd ever seen at the time. And um, <laughs> my pediatrician at the time was 94 years old. She, um, it was, she was our family pediatrician. She had been my mother's pediatrician. She was the first woman to graduate from the uh, Emory School of Medicine in Atlanta. And uh, she was 94 years old. Her practice was out of this old farmhouse that was like a formal, uh, that used to be like a Civil War um, uh, house, and I'll never forget when we would walk into her, uh, into an appointment with her, she would, she would open the door from the office to the kind of waiting room area, and she would say, okay, who's my next little angel? And then a parent would get up with their child and walk in, and I'll never forget, every time my mother and I would walk in, um, Dr. Denmark, that was her name, she would sit down with me and begin and, you know, doing an examination or whatever, and my mother would take a $5 bill out of her purse and hand it to Dr. Denmark, and she would pull out a drawer and shove it into the drawer. And I remember, I remember as a child when she pulled the drawer out, it was just like about to just billow over with like $5 bills, and she would just shove it in there and then shove the drawer closed, and then she would, she would you know, take care of me. She would figure out what was going on. So um, that, was, that was kind of my first experience with doctors, and... and, and and what a doctor was, was like. Um, she 
my pediatrician wound up to, uh, she practiced until she, I'm pretty sure until she was 102. Wow. And then at that point she lost her vision, and so she couldn't practice anymore. And then she lived until she was 114. And um, it, it was amazing. I, I attended her 110th birthday party, but just an amazing lady, an incredible lady, and uh, just such a blessing to have her as a pediatrician. But in that appointment that my mother took me to with her, she determined that I had exercise-induced hypertension, which basically just, for any listeners that aren't familiar with this, it basically just means that when I would exercise, my blood pressure would go way too high, and it wouldn't, like my body wouldn't regulate it as well as most people's do. And so then in an, in an attempt to get me to stop the physical activity, my body would just make me feel terrible. It would make me feel lightheaded and faint and nauseous and eventually throw up and so forth. So being an incredible doctor <laughs> who charged $5 per visit, she refused to put me on any medication at the time. We weren't asking for that, but she never even thought of that as a possibility. What she said was, make these nutritional changes, make these changes to what you're eating, and then check back with me in two or three weeks and let's see how things are going. And I made those changes to my food at the tender age of like 12 years old, 12 or 13 years old, and I never had the problem again. And so while I think I didn't even realize it at the time, it was kind of seared into my brain like, wow, the foods that we eat or don't eat and the liquids that we drink or don't drink really have a powerful, powerful impact on how our body feels and how our body performs. Um, so I can pause there, or I can I can continue going to, if you'd like, just let me know. No, well, so a couple observations I have, and I'll let Janet ask you some questions, too, is that, you know, on this show, we also talk about pricing of health care, and it, it was about, that was about 30 years ago, is that correct, Corey? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, right at 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. 30 years ago, and we have a doctor that was charging $5 for a visit. Now, I get it. That was probably a little bit less than the norm, but now an average visit, I don't know the exact normal, uh, the exact number, but for the, in a traditional medical system, a visit is over $300. And that just, that inflation does, that doesn't compute at all. It just tells you how we've had skyrocketing costs of, of health care. And I am so glad that you, that you found that doctor and she changed your life nutritionally. So, Janet, do you have anything to add to that? I do, Corey. So since I have teenagers in my house and probably have parents listening, let's identify some of those nutritional deficits or or intakes that you were taking that you eliminated. Well, for her at the time, really the only thing that she did for me then was she primarily wanted me to eliminate caffeine, which, you know, all of us, we realize caffeine is a, a vasoconstrictor, and obviously as our blood vessels contract, then we have you know, it, it causes higher blood pressure. And so that was, I guess, her first, um, you know, her first suggestion. We're going to eliminate any and all caffeine. And I'm from Georgia, and Coca-Cola was founded in the, you know, in the, right. in the South. <laughs> Everyone drinks Coca-Cola. And if you don't drink Coca-Cola, you drink sweet tea. And so it's all loaded with caffeine. And so it was a yep. process of eliminating these things. But once I did it, it worked. It works beautifully, and to this day, I'll also notice. Like I, I do consume a little caffeine now that I'm, you know, an old man. But 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 um, now I'll notice if I do have a little too much caffeine, I can feel those similar effects that I felt in middle school. So yeah. But you may have been sensitive just because of your body size and age, and maybe overall. So looking at nutrition was. Um 
a good place for her to start for sure because it's not common that we get teenage young junior high age you know coming in with symptoms like that and and so that was really um spot on good for her and you um so i'm i'm assuming that you've continued on that journey so um can you just kind of give us a little backdrop of how you ended up becoming a trainer or a bodybuilder yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you for asking. So so that was kind of the spark, I think, that I didn't even realize at the time. I continued playing basketball into high school, and then when I got into high school, I was this scrawny little kid, and um, which maybe supports your, your theory that maybe I was extra sensitive to caffeine. You know, at the time, I was having too much for my body weight. But um, when you're a scrawny kid playing basketball in high school, they throw you into weight training. And um, weight training, my body just responded very quickly. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the workouts. And so I kind of fell out of love with bodybuilding, or excuse me, out of love with basketball and in love with this sport called bodybuilding. And um, I began to pursue it. I did my first contest at the age of 17. Mm. I won that contest. I was very fortunate, very blessed to have a a very successful 10-year career in bodybuilding. I won a junior Olympic gold medal. I competed in uh, one world championship, two other national championships, and I never finished below um, second so I've been very fortunate to have a great career in that. Um, with that, as I studied bodybuilding, because I grew up on a, a dirt road in a little small town, and in 1995 when I started, there was certainly no Google. I mean, the Internet was in its, kind of in its infancy, and there were no bodybuilding coaches around. So I just began devouring any books I could find on the topic, any magazine articles, and everything I read talked about the power of nutrition. Workouts are important, yes, but it's really all about what you eat. And so it was easy for me when I went to college, I'm going to study nutrition. So um, my first degree was in allied health, and then my second degree was in nutrition science. And then in 1998, I became certified as a trainer uh, a little before I graduated from college. And so it just kind of took off from there. And I remember in the early 2000s, I I felt like, you know, this crazy guy preaching and, you know, nutrition to everyone. And nobody wanted to hear it in 2001, 2002, you know. But now... Now people do understand the power of it more, but um, it's that's yeah that's that's how it all went. And then my, you know, my transition from bodybuilding to kind of more of what I do now. I still coach some competitors, but I really work a lot more with people like Sean referred to earlier, just kind of on the psychology behind successful weight loss and successfully changing our body and changing our health long term. So that's a great story, uh, Corey. Thank you for sharing that. And that leads us into our first commercial break. You're listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. Um, I just wanted to also go on a tangent on that is that, you know, one thing that my brother has said before is that, and he's a bodybuilder, is that you cannot eat, you cannot exercise your way out of a bad diet. That's a very, very important concept to not being able to exercise your way out of a bad diet. So, Let's go to our first commercial break, and you'll see us in in a couple minutes. Hello, and welcome back to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Uh, We stream live every Monday at AM 1470 KBSN in Moses Lake. So don't don't forget that. And we are also streamed live on my personal Facebook, so Sean Needham's personal Facebook page, and the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacies YouTube page. We are also archived 
on most of the podcasting forums. So iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Podcasts, um, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all those. So uh, if you don't want to watch the video, go to one of those and like them, share them, comment on them. We also, you know, we, we listen to those comments. We, we uh, listen to our viewers and listeners, and we want to hear your feedback. So please let us know some feedback. If you have some topics you want us to talk about, we would love to. We talk about everything healthcare. So if you missed us on the first segment, Corey Little from Corey Little Coaching is on the line. Had a couple wonderful stories. We're going to segue back into that. Corey, you ended up uh, talking about how you got into bodybuilding and, and nutrition. Can you go ahead and finish that conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like I said, I was very fortunate, very blessed to have a, a, a great career, about a 10-year career in bodybuilding where I competed in a number of high-level shows and finished really well. Um, and then after like after that, I guess kind of the, the evolution of my career. So I was this, you know, ultra Mr. Fit fitness professional, and I was excited and, you know, fresh out of college, two degrees and, you know, in health and nutrition and ready to change people's lives. And I was like, I just discovered that maybe I wasn't that good at it. <laughs> like, why didn't everyone want to do what I did? Why didn't everyone want to work out all the time and, you know, eat r- grilled chicken and, and steamed broccoli all day long? And so it really bothered me. It really aggravated me, and it kind of sent me back to the drawing board. So I began stu- – I kind of really stopped studying nutrition as much because I knew more than enough to help people. I knew enough to coach people to, to, to stand on stage at a national bodybuilding show so I stopped studying nutrition, and I began studying psychology and, you know, how do we form habits? How do we change habits? How do we break habits? What's, you know, how, what is our, how does our self-talk impact the, the different choices we make? And, and um, I was, I'm very fortunate. I live in a university town, so I was able to consult with different medical doctors, with different psychologists who had written books on similar topics. And um, it was just a really, uh, a really um, fun and, and eye-opening process because it doesn't matter how much I knew about nutrition or exercise. If I could not get people to do it consistently, <laughs> then of course it wouldn't change their life. So, um, so, so my career kind of evolved that way. And one of the key things that I discovered was that sadly, most people hate their bodies. I mean, I, I, it, it sounds, it's very unfortunate. Most people, most people avoid mirrors. They hate taking photos. I shouldn't say most people, the majority of people, especially people that struggle with weight loss. And then they have what I call this bully in their brain that just beats them to death. It just beats the crap out of them, telling them how they're no good and how they, you know, how they're, they're too fat and they're, you know, they're unhealthy and so forth. And so that kind of became my new crusade to, to, number one, to teach people how to kind of defeat that bully in their brain, to learn to love their body into results instead of, hating like that's the thing people feel like okay I'll, if i get disgusted enough if i get disgusted enough with myself then that will propel me that'll motivate me to results when it, i believe the exact opposite is true i believe that you can't hate your body into results and if you do you'll resent what it took to get you there and it'll never be fulfilling so so my kind of mission my crusade is to help people to overcome that bully in their brain and to love their body to results to love their body to success taking small steps rather than the crazy, you know, extreme diets and weight loss challenges that are out there. Really good point, because I grew up in the 80s where girls starved ourselves, you know, just to keep that perfect weight. And um, I think the 
development of how we see ourselves starts really early in our lives. Um, and, you know, media and social media seems to exaggerate that a lot. And to come from the side of psychology is a really good point because many times when I even talk to my kids about um, the nutrition and working out, both of them do an excellent job of that. But it really came down to a point where they made that decision that, you know, hey, I'm not going to be that wimpy person or I'm not going to be that kid that's overweight and I'm going to do something about it. But how how that transition starts to being a positive is, is I think, extremely important. So um, how did you get people to buy into that? I mean, what was the trick behind um, getting them to love themselves and their body image in the mirror? That's a, that's a phenomenal question. And honestly, it's, a, it's an ongoing process because um, it's an ongoing process that I do, that I work through in my coaching group because people are so attached you made a fantastic point. In this day and age of social media, we are inundated with images of what fitness should look like. You know, all we see is, I mean, forgive me, if you look on Instagram, it doesn't take long. All we see are pictures of abs and, you know, six-pack abs and then what I call insta-booties. You know, all these females who, who look like they're, you know, belong on the cover of a fitness magazine. And then before we realize it, in our mind, that's what successful weight loss and fitness success looks like. And I'm here to tell you because I've been, I've stood on stage, I've done photo shoots for magazines. That's not accurate. Like, that's right. not true. And when someone is at that point of, when someone has achieved that appearance, number one, it's fleeting. You cannot maintain it for long. And number two, it's miserable getting there. But it's like the general public has been duped into thinking, well, if I can't get there, well, then I'm a failure. And so I, everything I just explained are some of the tools that I use to help people buy into this and understand this. Like, you can look however you want, and if you want to have six-pack abs and an Insta booty, well, you can do that, and I'll help you get there, but just understand you're not going to have any life. Right. <laughs> you, you know, getting there, you won't have any life. And so if you're willing to make that trade, well, fine. But if you want to have a full life, a fulfilling life, then there's a middle ground that you can achieve. I call it the magical middle. I teach people to live in the magical middle where they can achieve the goals they want with their body, where they can lose that 20 pounds or 30 pounds or 50 pounds, and they can begin to love themselves in the process but still enjoy the crap out of life, still have fun doing all the things they want to do and going out to dinner with their friends and celebrating and having a piece of birthday cake at their child's birthday party, you know, all of those sorts of things. You can balance those things out, but not if you're obsessed with getting abs and, you know, all the other stuff. Well, and I don't think some people realize how, you know, when they, when you look at a, a male bodybuilder, for instance, I don't think, and, you know, they, they work diligently and, and, you know, the last eight weeks or so, they just can't cheat at all. So how, and then they don't have a life. That's why a lot of bodybuilders, even though they don't make a lot of money doing it, it's a full-time job for them. So they, you know, they don't, and they might work a part-time job, but it's a full-time job. And not only that, but when those guys are on stage, they look like that for one day at best. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of men compare themselves. Well, I want to look like that. Well, the reality of it is you talk to most of those bodybuilders, some of those bodybuilders, when they're off season, they don't even want to take their shirts off and take their picture because they don't look like they do on stage. Would you agree with that? No, absolutely. And I mean, for me, it was, um, I mean, my situation was slightly different. I was so pale. <laughs> I'm, 
I'm naturally – it doesn't – I don't know if it's showing up well on camera here, but I'm naturally so pale that when I was not tanned up for the stage, I didn't want to take my shirt off because I looked like Casper the Ghost. And, you know, so, I mean, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, and if it's not that, then a lot of bodybuilders will gain so much weight in the off season. They, they look almost a little chubby, and then their, their ego won't allow them, you know, to take their shirt off or do anything. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's this – I like to make the analogy of, you know – it's like if we if we compare fitness and bodybuilding and weight loss and all these things if we if we if we use a metaphor of hiking like going on a hike well it's like if someone said hey i think i want to start hiking and then the very next day they go i want to hike mount everest well why don't you just start with like the local hike that's a, you know that's an hour down the road this you know this beautiful 2 mile trail just get a feel for it and then work and progress from there but but in the fitness realm, it's like if, if people realize, like, well, Mount, like, oh, that Mount Everest achievement is out of my range, then they just quit. Like, it doesn't mean you have to quit hiking. You can keep, you can continue the process and enjoy the process. But you're right; it's a, it's a huge hurdle, and it's fleeting. It, it, it is, it's, um, you know, people look like that for a day, maybe a week, and then, man, they're dying to get back to normal life and have some pizza and, and, and a hamburger. Well, I, I think one of the things that. Um people forget is athletes and um well anybody that's training you build on your small successes you don't build on you know this you know climbing the mountain of mount everest the first time out you know it's those small things that build your confidence level of hey i can do this now i can do that and those small successes start with small steps wouldn't you say i mean in the gym and and on your plate and small decisions you make every day no you're you're absolutely right i couldn't agree more and psychology agrees with you psychology shows us by far that the most successful route to behavior change and and changing our habits long term not just getting some short six-week results before we, you know, boomerang right back to where we were. But the path to long-term success is with small intentional steps, and that's exactly what I do in my coaching group. Every time we have a coaching call in my group, everyone knows. One of the questions we're going to try to answer is, what is your specific next step? And then they zone in like a laser on that next step, and you you're, you were right as well about breeding success. That's another thing that we do. We, we intentionally start on plate with places in the person's life where they can find some easy wins because they may say well it's an easy win so what it's still a win and we want to breed success yeah we need to celebrate those things you know i mean it seems so far off but those small things add up over time so that's wonderful so um cory so when we did a conference, uh, a pre-connection call a few weeks back, one of the things I like what you said is order in order to change our bodies, we must first change our brains. Will you, will you expand on that? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I appreciate you bringing that up. So, and I'm going to take it even a level deeper. I believe that there is a tremendously intimate connection between our brain the biochemistry of our body, which flows into our brain. Obviously, they're not isolated. So our brain, the biochemistry of our body, and then also our food, our bites. Um, so I call it brain, bites, and body. Those are like the three Bs, if you will, of, of changing your life, of changing your body, and of losing weight. And one of the biggest mistakes that I believe people make is they go about it all wrong. They go about it backwards. 
if you think about it, the typical person, they go, okay, man, I'm sick of being overweight and out of shape. What am I going to do? I'm going to, what do they do? They go join a gym, right? They go join a gym, and if they've got a little extra money, maybe they hire a trainer. And that's beautiful. I'm a trainer. Like, I get it. I love that. But what happens 99% of the time is they work themselves to death, and then they see very little change. You know, they become obsessed with the scales. They weigh twice a day, every day, and they see very little change. And so then eventually they go, well, maybe I need to start watching what I eat too. And so they go from working their body to eventually starting to change their nutrition a little bit. And then that's just like a a minefield for people because it's, well, what do I do? Do I do keto? Do I do this crazy weight loss challenge? Do I do paleo? Do I go gluten-free? And so there's so much confusion and so much overwhelm in that area. And then most people never even make it to the final B, which is the brain. And so what I propose to people, what I encourage people to do is we've got to flip that around. We need to start with your brain. We need to start thinking, you know, going through the process of, okay, why have you struggled to lose weight? Why have you struggled to be fit? Why did you lose 20 pounds and then gain 22 pounds back? And so we examine these things. We examine the beliefs they have in relation to their body. And and honestly, for a lot of people, like I said, it's the bully in their brain and it's the self-doubt. So we dig into those things with their brain. Then it's kind of almost simultaneously, but in a very small way, uh, like Janet mentioned, we, we begin to just change a few things with their nutrition so that it helps to reset and repair the biochemistry of their body. So then we have this tremendous synergy because we're changing the way they think about weight loss and the way they think about their body, and then we're also changing the biochemistry of their body. So there's this beautiful synergy where they're moving forward, breeding success, and really starting to get some traction and start to believe in the process. And then lastly, we bring in some activity. So we literally flip it. We do, instead of going body, bites, brain, we go brain, body, bites. Hopefully that that <laughs> made sense. That wasn't too many Bs in there. Now, that's an excellent point. I, I think about some of the things that um, my youngest son has talked about with different things that he's tried. You're right. There are so many diets out there that just getting a handle on which one you would even want to, to jump into can be very, very overwhelming. So I think changing how we view food, too, can be really critical. I know in our house, with Sean training so much for his um, riding and his bike, you know, we had to think about food as being a fuel, not just an activity or something you do every day. I mean, to be mindful of what... Um, what we were actually consuming or what he was going to be consuming and when and how. And so thinking about it as um, a different aspect other than, you know, I'm hungry, so I go to McDonald's and I eat and, you know, going from there. I mean, there was intentional meaning to what is behind a meal or before an activity or or those kind of things. So, um, but also the key thing too, I I think you're, 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 hitting things that psychologically people are struggling with, whether it's stress or something else in your life before you start making a whole bunch of changes. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, um, when, when I work with someone and coach someone, um, even though the three primary things we address are brain bites and body, um, we look at their life from a holistic standpoint. I mean, it doesn't matter what they're eating and how much they're exercising if they're only sleeping three hours every night. It, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what they attempt to do with their nutrition if they're so stressed from their work or their 
you know, aging parent that they're having to take care of. So we, we look at all things and then try to meet them where they are to go, okay, let's figure out, let's, let's correct any deficiencies in your lifestyle. Let's do it piece by piece, step by step, so that you're not overwhelmed, and, and let's move forward gradually. You're absolutely right. Well, a few things I, you know, I take away in this discussion and that we've talked about on this radio show many times before and I tell, you know, patients when I'm counseling them about weight loss is, you know, when we think about food and, and we think about the psychology of it, um, we should, you know, we shouldn't live to eat. We should eat to live. Our bodies were designed to, you know, to have food to make us stay alive. But unfortunately, because the way we've been trained, usually when we were younger or whatever, is that, you know, we, we live to eat instead of eat to live. you agree with that? I do. I, 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 I like to throw just a little spin on that. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that the vast majority of people, like both of you guys just alluded to, it's simply the, it's almost like an automatic thing. Ooh, I'm hungry. What sounds best? Not, not what sounds best for my health or best for my body or what, what will best help me progress towards my goals. It's simply what sounds best to my tongue. That's right. That's right. And and that leads us, let's, let's stay right there on that thought. That leads us to our, our uh, next commercial break. You're listening to health solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. We will talk to you in a few minutes. Hello and welcome back to our third and final segment of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. You can listen to us every Monday, 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time at AM 1470 KBSN or on my personal Facebook page or the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy YouTube site. If you missed our first two segments, we have Corey Little from Corey Little Coaching on the line. He is talking about if we can't, in order to change our bodies, we need to change our brains. And we were talking a little bit, Corey, about stress and how that affects weight loss uh, and sleep, for one. Can you uh, segue back into that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I was just kind of, I believe where I was at, I was saying that I think it's so important to take a holistic approach with each individual and not, I mean, because that's the place where most diets fall short, right, where most weight loss programs fall short. It's this very rigid, structured thing that says, do this, no excuses, you know, hashtag stay focused, you know, and, and, and all, of the, all of the, you know, grind it out and stay motivated and all that stuff, when in reality, for some people, that's just not possible. You know, they're, like you said, their stress is through the roof or they're sleeping terribly and, um, you know, they've got all kinds of different things going on. So you, you have to, if you want to be successful with weight loss and long-term change with your body, you have to look at your life as a whole and you have to address all the issues, not just nutrition and exercise, but also your sleep and your stress and anything that um, impacts your body, like uh, I like to call it your body's ecosystem. And once you repair that and reset your body's ecosystem, then, then weight loss comes that much more naturally and it's that much easier to achieve. Well, one thing I want to segue onto that is just a reminder that, you know, there's really three things that we can do to keep our bodies healthy. And we've talked about it numerous times on this show, and that is eat, exercise, and rest. That's really the only three things we can do to, if we want to be simple about it, that's the three things we can do to keep our bodies healthy. And of course, we don't get stronger when we eat, and we don't get stronger when we exercise. We get stronger when we rest and recover. So... If we're not resting and recover, 
the eating well and the exercise will do nothing. Um, and, you know, you can look at it as, uh, you know, hormones like cortisol and things like that are, are catabolic and that's part of the issue. But to just reiterate is that we will die without sleep before we'll die without food. Do you have any comments on that, Corey? No, I'm, I mean, you, you said it beautifully. I, I don't think I have anything to add. You're absolutely right. I mean, people, it, it's one of the things I see sometimes with clients, you know, they'll, their weight loss has stalled or it's just their body seems resistant to drop weight. And I'm like, let's dig into your sleep a little more. And um, it's just, it can be a massive issue for some people. Well, I, I think too, one of the things that um, we have to be realistic about too is life happens to all of us. And so, um, i.e., for example, our son, you know, there was nothing I can do about the fact he needed surgery and it was in the middle of the night. So obviously that throws kinks into your whole, you know, workout routine, your food, your sleep and things like that. So we have times where we're derailed by life and um, we have to get back on the rail track and and get the train on the right um, path. And I think sometimes that's where we give up is that this happens and then this happens and then that happens. And it's easier, I think, when we're exhausted to just say, oh, well, I'm, I'm out, I'm done. Any thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah, no, I think I think you bring up a phenomenal point, and there's there's a couple things I'd like to share right there. I was I was I was hoping you would you would you would ask, and I could jump in there. So number one, one of the things that I do with my clients and my students, um, and your the example with your son is absolutely perfect. You know, we all have times in life when a storm hits, and it can be you know a loved one is injured. It can be oh I lost my job. It can be oh you know it can be a global pandemic. <laughs> I mean it can be so many different things, you know, but what I encourage my clients to do when a storm hits in their life, I call it anchoring, and I encourage them to choose just three or four different anchors. So, there, so for example, there may be, you know, 10 or 15 different things that we're doing. We may have been working through this process that I coach them with for quite some time, for a number of weeks or a number of months, and so I let them, I don't choose these things, I let them choose three or, three or four different anchors. So let everything else go. Forget everything else and just focus on three or four things that you can do during this storm. And then the beautiful thing about this is, is when the storm passes, they come out on the other side feeling like a success and they don't want to quit because they stuck to the three or four things that they chose. And otherwise, if we hadn't have anchored, if if they hadn't have chosen those things, they would have instantly and automatically felt like they had to do everything. Well, I've got to keep everything up. I've got to eat this for breakfast and exercise, you know, six times a week, you know, whatever the case is. And then they come out of the other side feeling like a total failure and like they've gone 20 steps backwards, like you said, and they want to quit. And, um, you know, that's that's no place to be. So that's, I, I believe that anchoring, and it's something that my clients love and that, that we use on a regular basis when those stressful, stormy times hit. That's a wonderful point. In fact, I I know when the pandemic hit, I was reading up on people that have lived successfully through World War II or the Great Depression or huge um, storms in their life, as you put it. They did find daily things that they could control and that helped them be successful, whether it was, you know, whatever they chose. And like you said, maybe three things that they could control in that day and have success with made a big difference as to how they walk through that storm. And so I, I love um, how you have delivered that to us. I think that is very intentional 
And even right now when we're struggling with, I want to be able to do this, but I can't, there are small things that we can do in everyday life that we can hold on to that control with. And I feel like goals are more successful when we're more realistic too, as to what we have control over and what we can uh, achieve. So um, I imagine elite athletes are very similar to everyday people that we all have this mountain that we want to achieve. But really, again, you're bringing it back to small steps and small steps leading to um, more accomplishments. Um, so I love how you are training your um, your people. So do you offer this in group or is this individual or how do you approach your clients? No, Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I do both. I, I have um, one-on-one coaching that I offer and that is primarily for higher level athletes or competitive bodybuilders or figure competitors um, because it's such a highly customized um, process and it, it's I'm a bit limited in my availability because my time and energy is limited I'm a bit limited in that but uh, but I do offer that one-on-one coaching service but really the most popular thing that I offer um, is kind of what I call my inner circle family and that is where um, I have a, a step-by-step program kind of a, a course or curriculum, if you will. It's a step-by-step process that people go through. I call it Live Life, Lose Fat, and the name is very intentional. I want people to be able to lose fat, to lose weight while living life and enjoying life. And so um, within that inner circle, people go through that program, and then they have um, there's a private coaching group where we, you know, I coach them along the way, and it's just an incredibly supportive um, supportive and loving and, and uh, caring atmosphere where everybody's kind of going through the same process. And some people are further down the road, and so they can be like a big brother, big sister, and lend a hand, and then other people are, you know, just starting the process. So I do offer both one-on-one and group. Tell us, Corey, about retraining and renewing the brain. Yeah, um, that's, man, um, how much time do we have? <laughs> um, that's that's one of my favorite <laughs> topics by far. And uh, like I said, I, I believe... We have, and I've said it maybe two or three times already, but I want to say it again because I think it's so powerful. I believe that most of us have what I call a bully in our brain. And sometimes it whispers at us and sometimes it screams at us, but it's never for us. It's, um, there's a gentleman by the name of Shad Helmstetter. He's, a, he's got his Ph.D. in psychology, and he's a specialist in self-talk. And he said that we have over 70, excuse me, I think it's over 80,000 thoughts per day, over 80,000 thoughts per day, and over 75% of those are negative. They're negative thoughts. It's just, it's just the way our brain works. It's the way it's wired. And so until we become aware of that, until we become aware of the fact that every thought that flies through our head is not actually intentionally thought by us, our brain's just kind of on, you know, on automatic, it's on autopilot. So once we become aware of that fact, okay, wait a minute, these thoughts are not what I'm intentionally thinking, and I have to become aware. I have to, um, for me, one of, one of my favorite examples of this is, is actually from, it's from the Bible. It's a quote from the Bible. We have to take captive every thought. We have to take captive every thought to go, okay, wait a minute, does this serve me? Does it help me get to where I want to be in life and with my body? And if it doesn't, well, then I have to actively refute it. I have to I have to step up against it. And um so it's a, it's a process. That's the thing. I, 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 equate it, I equate this process of changing your brain and retraining your brain and, and using this to lose weight very much to like planting a garden. <laughs> we, 
when you plant a garden, at first you put in a lot of work and you think, God, is this even working? I don't even see anything happening. It's not producing any fruit. It's not giving me anything. But it's working below the, below the surface, below the soil. It's taking root. And then if you nurture it and you continue to, to practice and, and do the things you need to do, that garden will be a beautiful thing that will produce fruit and, and you know, give you what you need for months and months or maybe years to come. The process of changing our brain, of retraining our brain and changing our body is exactly the same. It's exactly the same. It's like we're planting a garden, and at first there's a lot of work, and we wonder if it's even working, if it's even doing anything. And then as we get deeper into the process, we begin to see the fruits of that labor. We begin to see things that see our body changing, feeling it changing. We begin to figure, we begin to realize, well, I am actually thinking different. I'm much I'm much more kind to myself. I'm not beating myself up as much. I'm, I'm starting to believe in myself more, and it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. I, 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 in case you can't tell, I'm, I love it. I'm passionate about it. Well, that that is awesome. We we love hearing these stories, and it sounds like you're helping so many people. And I I appreciate you being on our show today and taking your your time out of your busy schedule. So we have about two minutes. So in two minutes, Corey, how would you like to sum things up with your words of wisdom and let us know how listeners can get a hold of you? Absolutely. So the number one thing I would say is just to anyone out there who is struggling with a weight loss, who's struggling with their body image, struggling with their self-confidence, just I know it sounds hokey and silly, but you can do it. I don't care how many times you've tried and failed. I don't care how many times you've struggled. You can do it. You just, it just might not look how you think it looks. It might happen a little differently. You just might need a new or a different approach. Um, and, and, and I just come back to the brain. I like to say that what we think impacts how we feel. How we feel impacts what we do or don't do. And what we do or don't do impacts our reality and our results. So it all starts with changing how we think. And so that's, that's my little, I guess, finishing pep talk. And if people uh, would like to get in touch with me, they can go to, you can Google Corey Little Nutrition. I'm sure I'll pop up or Corey Little Georgia or whatever. But I'm at CoreyLittleCoaching.com. And then I also have a podcast called Real Life Weight Loss. And um, I would love to, uh, most people that, if you've enjoyed the past hour and hearing me ramble on, then you would love the podcast. If not, then probably skip the podcast. So I'd love to hear from anybody, absolutely. So, Corey, we still have about 45 seconds left, and I would just love to keep chatting with you. So, you know, one thing I want to want to just talk about is that 94-year-old patrician, pa- pediatrician that changed your life. Um, I can tell you, and, you know, Janet can um, chime in on this, but I really honestly don't know if that would happen today. Um, doctors are so willing to prescribe drugs for something when all they need, all that, all you as a kid needed was a dietary change. And I'm just, I'm so glad you found her. I mean, you, you were able to change your life and then change other lives. And, and, and it's obvious you have a passion for it, probably because it's changed your life so much. So I appreciate you being on the show. That about wraps it up, Corey. We loved hearing from you. We will be in touch. And you guys have been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. Tune in next Monday at 1 to 2 p.m. Thanks for listening.